It's time for Wolo and Friends on Sports 56, presented by Genesis of Olive Branch. Here is your host, the voice of the Tigers, Dave Woloshin. We love sports because you just never know what is going to happen, right? Like, take last night, for instance. I I don't know how many basketball games I have watched or called in my life. It's, you know, got to be close to a 1,000, if more. Never seen what I saw last night. If you missed it. The University of Memphis women lost a heartbreaker. It's the third straight heartbreaker in a row. The last two were by a total of three points. This one went to double overtime. But we had history, ladies and gentlemen, history. First of all, there was an NCAA record, not a school record, an NCAA record, 75 combined Fouls called. Ten players fouled out. A total of 98 free throws. 60 for SMU, which is really why they won the game. They won 40. Uh, They made 40 of the 60, which is, by the way, exactly what they shoot from the line, 67% for the year. 75 fouls, 98 free throws. Ten players fouled out. SMU's team, because of three injuries during the year, only have nine players they could play. So at the last two minutes plus of the second overtime, SMU had only four on the floor. Memphis, 5-4 advantage, couldn't take advantage. They still lost the game, but really that was due in part to free throw shooting. This crew... And I, I, I say this, I, I don't think they were one side or the other, but they were very particular about any kind of contact at all. Both these teams play physical. Memphis is a very physical team. Coming into the game, the women were, I want to say, over 100 less free throws than the opposition. So this isn't really anything new. Sort of the way Alex plays, she shoots a lot of threes because Madison Griggs is her best player. But there were at least 10 calls, five on either side. So I'm not saying this was one-sided at all. That shouldn't have been called. I mean, just ticky-tacky stuff. Three hours and four minutes. That's what happens when you shoot 98 free throws. 98 free throws! Or a total of 96 rebounds. I'm not sure I've ever seen that many in a game. 42 turnovers. Well, that's 10 less than the last game I saw. Three hours and four minutes, that may be the longest basketball game I've ever been a part of. I can't there I, I know in the NBA the games usually last about two and a half hours, right? Because you got the extra uh eight minutes. And 
with the quarter system may go a little longer. Of course, they use the quarter system with the women. But, uh, and th- there was, what, a triple overtime with the Grizzlies? And, and was it OKC years ago? Yeah. Triple. That's what I thought. I was there. What a game. So I've, I've seen longer than double overtimes. So that game probably went longer than three hours, the triple overtime game. But this one seemed like forever because it was, look, they scored 91 points in basically 50 minutes, right? 10 extra minutes. Crazy. Um, so you never know. And I, I, I do feel bad for the, the, the poor Memphis Tigers who are now 0-4 in conference play. They're 4 and 10 or 4 and 11 now, maybe more, maybe worse. Not not a great start for Alex Simmons, that is for sure. I, I think she's a good coach, uh, but it just hasn't come together. And, man, has she ever had some bad luck? She played some new players last night trying to get a spark. She started a little different starting lineup, and it worked. You know, they were up five points in the first overtime. I think in the second overtime they hit a three to begin it. But then the free throw parade started and just so many silly fouls. There was a double technical on two of the best players on the team. The second best player for both teams. They both fouled out because of the technicals. That was in the first overtime, I believe. It's all kind of running together, but crazy. I mean, crazy. You know, who would have thunk going into that game last night that you would see a historic amount of free throws and fouls? Never, never. Crazy. Anyway, um, we got the NFL playoffs coming up. And we're going to make our picks in a minute. The um, NBA is front and center next segment because we've got Andy Schiffman back, who was on vacation last week. He was either on vacation or on a scouting trip to Europe. Andy Schiffman will join us at 1025. Of course, we'll end the day with the Tigers and Bryant Dacus, who will come and we'll talk some Tigers in Wichita State and the new additions on the football team and all of that good stuff. So uh, are you excited about these playoffs, Zach Boyd? I am. Me too. I think I got them figured out, but I never really know. Um, My record is pretty good this year. Do you have the the totals? I don't have the bowl game totals, but I still have the the, the – the totals uh, right before the bowl game. Well, I, I have the bowl game totals, but I, I didn't bring them in here. So I'll, okay. I'll get them to you a uh, little bit But later. before the bowl game, uh, we were I was 26, 20, and 2. You was 49, 33, and 4. Okay. So that's before the bowl game. Okay. And well, the bowl games, you did not have no a great amount. I was over 500, but not by a whole lot, four or five games. So we'll add them in. No problem. We're going to keep this until we start golf. <laughs> uh, which will take place in a couple of months. Uh, so in the meantime, very first game, that is on Saturday. That is Cleveland, minus two at Houston. Now, they've played once in the regular season. Cleveland won the game. C.J. Stroud did not play in the game. It's in Houston. And the Texans are getting two points. Cleveland's giving them away. This, to me, is the toughest of all the games to pick. There's a few really tough ones. This one is the toughest. I'm going to go out on the edge here, and I'm going to take the rookie. I'm going to say that the Joe Flacco Cinderella story comes to an end. I believe the Texans will make it to the second round. Same. I think turnovers are going to catch up with Joe Flacco, even though he's been a great storyline. 
So you and I are in agreement there. Then the late game on Saturday, Miami and Kansas City. So Patrick Mahomes can do something that only a few have ever done before. Those few are Terry Bradshaw, Joe Montana, and Drew Brees. Pretty good quarterbacks, right? I would say Mahomes is in their league, although he hasn't looked at that part the whole season this year. But he has had six consecutive multi-touchdown passes, multi-touchdown games in postseason play. If he gets this, it's seven. That would tie those big names. I think Mahomes will. And I think Kansas City writes their ship. I was a believer in Miami early. I'm not a believer in Miami now. I think the Chiefs at home will win the game and win it by more than four and a half. You know, this is different. Like, because both, both teams thrive off of passing the football. Yeah. So, and neither one, I mean, outside of Miami. Miami, they they haven't done well. Well, obviously, I don't think it, no team that's that play in warmer climate done well in snowy or wet true. icy climate. That that is true. And Tyreek Hill, I think that's almost an advantage for Tyreek Hill though, because he knows where he's going. Right. Um, they they did a good job on Tyreek Hill in the first game. They played once earlier. They did. Uh, and and um, everything on the line in their weather at at home. Yeah. Give me uh, Kansas you know, City as well. Kansas City is not a sure thing here, but there is no sure thing. There is no sure thing right. in, in any of these games, I don't I don't think. But I feel pretty good. So we're both there with Kansas City. Pittsburgh at Buffalo. So you know what temperature is supposed to be in Buffalo? It's like minus 10. Below freezing with big wind gusts and... The Steelers like to run the ball with Najee Harris. Now, I I think Buffalo's going to win this game. But 10 points? 10 points? Are you kidding me? In that weather? Too many. I like Pittsburgh to cover the 10. You know what? I think low-key Pittsburgh could win this game. Sure they could. I mean, it's the playoffs. Anybody can win. But That's I really correct. think because a lot of people are – Making the Buffalo Bills as a team of destiny because of how well they end the season, I could see like Tomlin saying, "Well, let me let, let me prove to you why I've been the longest tenured coach in the NFL right now." Seventeen years and never o- under five hundred. Come on, I, we don't make enough of that. That's Hall yeah. of Fame stuff right there. I'm not sure anybody's ever done that before. And seventeen so the- years. Now, I don't think Lombardi went seventeen years under uh, without an under five hundred right. season. George Hallis didn't go seventeen years without an under five hundred season. And the line is ten. Am I correct? The line is ten. Yeah. So give me Pittsburgh as hey, well. I hey. like their running game. You and I. Everything the same for the first three games. Uh, also on Sunday, Green Bay at Dallas. They don't lose at home. It's seven points. I. I I think Green Bay's run was exceptional to get into the playoffs, that the NFC North had two teams that make it was pretty astonishing in its own right. But um, the Green Bay run comes to an end only because Dallas is so good at home. So I I, I think this will be a big game for Dak. Hope it's a big game for Pollard. I think the Cowboys may be the surest thing in all of these games, honestly. I like Dallas in this game big. Yeah, home. There's nothing better than a good home cooking. 
Well, you know, I knew you were going to take Dallas no matter what. That's your team. <laughs> then you got the Rams at Detroit. The Lions giving away three. First time the Rams have been in the playoffs in forever. They really had a good year. They actually should have had one more win. They got one stolen by the referees in Dallas. That was crazy. Um, doesn't hurt their chances. They they still have home field advantage. And um, th- this is an interesting game because you have the old quarterback coming home and the guy that played for the Rams in the Super Bowl now playing for Detroit. It's like they swapped and it was win-win. Goff uh, and and Stafford. And I, I like the home team here. I think Detroit is, pretty, is really a pretty solid team. I, I could see them playing, honestly, for the NFC Championship. Upset alert. You got Give me the, the Rams. Rams. Okay, we finally differ in a game. And then finally, Philly at Tampa. I, I think that Sirianni's job, the head coach of Philly, could be on the line here. I mean, they were the darlings. They didn't lose what? They win their first nine games, maybe ten games. It was crazy. They were outstanding, and then they lost five of six. They just lost control. I don't know what happened. They lost the NFC East title. Along the way, there's heat on Sirianni. There's heat on Jalen Hurts to be the guy he was. Is he hurt? What's the story? And here comes Tampa, a team that we all know. The only reason they're in the playoffs is they won a very, very weak division. They're not a great team, although Baker Mayfield probably got himself a contract for a few years because he played fairly solid. He's the guy that they thought he was going to be when he got drafted by Cleveland. But I think Philly's got too much to prove here, too much on the line. I know it's in Tampa. Philly's given away three on the road. I think that's enough. I think they can do it by that. I think they win by a touchdown. I'm going to take the Eagles. Upset alert. Give me the Tampa. Well, not, I wouldn't consider it as an upset because they're 5 4. So, but there is no, no upset when it's only three points that's at what home, I'm saying. for goodness sake. It's all but, dog. But I know a lot of people are, tend, are favoring the Eagles because of how well they are. I guess, in these situations. But give me the Buccaneers at home. All right, so we differ on two. And that's I've got Detroit, you've got the Rams, I got Philly, you got Tampa. And now we are all set. Can't wait for these playoffs. It's going to be a very, very fun weekend for sure. There is one other NBA note that we have to touch on, and and that is um, New England didn't waste any time, did they? They decided to go within their own ranks to take their former star player, who's been a linebacker coach for them and for Bill Belichick. That is Gerard Mayo. He now is the youngest head coach in the National Football League, 37 years old. Sean McVay was the youngest, I think. Wasn't he the youngest guy for a while there? Yes. 37 to be placed in that position. This guy was what? He's an all-pro player. He's been a really good coach. I think he started somewhere else. He hasn't always been a coach with the Patriots. I, I think inside the the locker room, they're really, really pleased about all of this. So that that's, that's a big part of it. Uh, he's the first African-American player uh, – uh, Uh, head coach in New England, so a minority hire, good for the league, that is for sure. And this this is a guy that was one of their own. Not only was he a superb all-pro linebacker, he was a captain. So you know the guy was a leader. And I don't know if Robert Kraft, when they decided to bring him on board, I'm sure Bill Belichick had 
a, a lot of input on that hire. But if Robert Kraft didn't have in the back of his mind, here's a guy I might hire one day. Yeah, so... My device won't start talking to me. So here's the thing. So I think they said in his contract um, that if Belichick leaves, then that will make him the head coach. So he, they, it was... They they may have had that language in place because there are procedures that normally teams have to go through. I, I saw there was another exception that was uh, quoted in a story where there was a general manager that was hired because they had in language that he'd become the guy if indeed the other guy were to leave. Right. And so that I, I did not realize that was the language there. So they knew all along then that if Belichick was going to exit, if Kraft was going to pull the plug that Mayo would become the head coach. Right. And then also uh, Gerard Mayo, he is a month younger than Sean McVay. Is right now? Yes. Oh, so McVay, but McVay's been a coach for two or three years, right? So he was younger when he got it. He must have been 35 when he got the gig. I think McVay was like, what, 32 when he got Was he that young when he got the gig? Yeah, like McVay's been a head coach for a minute. Sure. Well, uh, how how long? Three years? Five years. Maybe five years. He was... I don't I know. Don't ask me. I got so screwed up by COVID. I, I have no concept about time anymore. I really don't. My wife tells me that all the time. I think something was like two years old. She goes, no, man, that's before COVID. What do you got? When 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 did he start? Uh, let's see here. McVeigh, he started his coaching career in 2017. Oh, my gosh. He was 30 six, years old. Six years. Okay. thirty. He was 30 years old when he became the head coach. Yes. Yeah, it's crazy that I forgot that. that that's amazing. I mean, honestly, you're dealing with players that are a lot older than you. And the majority of them are probably older than you. Crazy. Uh, but it worked out for him okay. That is for certain. So we got our picks in, everything else. You know I'm sitting in the Genesis uh, service department a couple of weeks ago watching all these great I, I think they're craftsmen people that take care of those those cars and the servicemen that, that are so dedicated particularly at Genesis of Olive Branch right at the corner of Highway 78 Lamar and Craft Road the first exit in Mississippi how they can quickly identify what's wrong and then make sure they get every detail and a lot of times they give you loaners or sometimes you get that through your insurance. But I'm just saying to you, the department that takes care, the service department that takes care of you at Genesis of Olive Branch is top notch. So go see Chris True and the service department. Or if you're interested in a brand new GV70 or GV80, that's the Genesis SUVs, see Vinnie Gerard. You will love the experience. The whole schmear at Genesis of Olive Branch. We pause for a second. When we come back, we will head to Chicago. Our friend from Priority Sports, Andy Schiffman, all set to talk NBA with you on Wallow and Friends. We are real sports talk. Sports 56 WHBQ. Available on your radio dial at 560 AM and 98.5 FM, as well as around the world online at sports56whbq.com. Take us with you everywhere by downloading the Sports 56 app. And at home, just say, Alexa, play Sports 56. 
Wherever you are, stay tuned in to Real Sports Talk. Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. back to Wolo and Friends on Sports 56. Presented by Genesis of Olive Branch. Here once again is the voice of the Tigers, Dave Woloshin. We'll be heading to Chicago momentarily. I'm sitting in the family Lucia studios with a reminder of the floor model sale going on right now where you will get the Wicker Sofia, uh, the, the Wicker Sofa set. Hard to speak today. Too many too many words last night in that double overtime game. Um, would you believe that sofa set's under two grand? That's a heck of a price, I can promise you. That pool table, state of the art. They're moving, if they're a floor model particular table, $1,500 or under. How about theater seating under two grand? All you got to do is get to I 40 and Wooden Road, go see our friends. That's Billy, that's Lindsay at Family Leisure. That floor model sale will wow you. And this portion of the show brought to you by the Eflin Insurance Team, where they do insurance a little bit differently than others. They get to know you. So they're going to find out about your family, what's important to you, what your budget is. And then when they take all that into account, they will protect your house, they'll protect your car, and they'll protect your family with the most perfect life insurance. If you've got a business, small to midsize is their specialty. They do the same thing. They sit you down. They get to know you. They get to know what your product is. They get to know who your employees are. They may even forecast your business out a little bit and then find out what your budget is and protect your business, the best commercial insurance. And they just do it by getting to know you. And if you would like that process because you'll love it. It's collaborative. Call 901-386-GUR. That's 4777. They particularly love GUR because they love the Tigers. They chose to put that in their number. Get protected with the folks that love the Tigers. 901-386-GUR, the Eflin Insurance Team. Let's head to Chicago. I I guess it's going to be as freezing there as it is here or where I am in going to be in Wichita over the weekend, where the high on Sunday will be two degrees, the low five below. How are you? I'm good, Dave. Yep, we got the snow coming down here and gearing up for a very bitterly cold Sunday and Monday and in the next week with uh, single digit temps down to zero. So just just staying warm and wafting hoops. Yeah. Um. All right. Let Let's start with. The Grizzlies and karma, whatever you want to call it. Have you ever seen a team so unlucky as the Memphis Grizzlies? Now Marcus Smart hits a three, looks at his hand, realizes, what? I have a, The finger's out of joint. It kind of looked like Lionel Hollins, I've, I've been jokingly <laughs> saying. Um, and, and then, you know, you think, okay, it's a little dislocated finger. They'll put it back. He might be out of game or two at the most. And then it's just the joint, and it's it's completely messed up. Where you're talking about a reevaluation in six weeks. Now that that on top of Ja out for the rest of the year with the shoulder tear, this is beyond crazy. Yeah, the Grizzlies just keep taking some punches, and what's very disappointing, obviously, is you just have Marcus come back. He's been playing great this month. They've won four out of the last five. They're on a nice. Nice three-game win streak without Ja. Very surprisingly, against 
three of the top teams, really two, I guess, the top teams in the NBA, and Lakers throw them in there as well. Uh, and you got the Clippers, obviously, at home tonight. So it's it's quite a juxtaposition where you have such good news with the way the team's been playing without Ja, and all of a sudden you continue to get snake bitten with all of these injuries to to key players. And so I'm not sure exactly what's going on there with this injury bug. Um, it's very unfortunate, the timing of it all, that's for sure. So it's crazy. It's the most improbable trip. Like, I, yep. I, can, I, I heard people around Memphis when they were embarking on that trip, which was the Lakers, the Suns, and Dallas, that that was a most likely 0-3. That, this was with job playing. Most likely going to be an zero and three, three and zero, and Jop plays yeah. in only one game, and you know then all the craziness with Marcus Smart and everything. I mean, it's beyond belief that they could do it. You realize they're only four games out of the play-in. They have plenty of time, more than a half a season to make it up. But without now Marcus Smart and Ja, there's really no way. Yeah, can you imagine them making postseason? Hey. Hey, at this point, anything's on the table, and we've seen that, right? I think with some other teams in the league, when they are without some of their star players and some of their key role players, you can very confidently say, hey, there's no way they're going to progress past this point, make the play-in game, make the playoffs, etc. You just never know with the Grizzlies, so I'm not one to sit there and write them off. What's crazy, though, in like Dallas, for example, Luka played in that game. They had him at home, Dallas did, um, and they lost. And then last night, I was watching the New York-Dallas game at home in Dallas against a very good New York team ever since that trade. I think that trade, getting OG and Anobi and Precious Achua actually really helped them a lot. Uh, no Luka, and they beat a really good New York team at home. So the NBA is very fickle, it's very volatile, and with the exception of maybe five or six teams, I think anybody can beat anybody on any given night, and that's what makes it fun. So injury, with or without injuries, Dave, I'm not ready to completely write off the Grizzlies. I think a lot will be told after the February 8th trade deadline. I think there'll be a lot of movement. I anticipate the Grizzlies probably going to have to do something. Obviously, they just converted Vince Williams off his two-way contract and waived Bismack. So I think their next move is they're going to go out and try, probably try and find another big on a two-way. And then what will they do with the trade deadline here in a few weeks? That's going to be very interesting because I don't know if the front office is ready just to write the season off and just say, well, let's just go with what we have and hope we can get a good lottery pick. Uh, I think there's still some fight in them. The Biombo move, that was strictly because he had guaranteed money coming up, right? If they kept him, they had to make move uh, make make a move for Vince Williams because his two-way would have – he only had, I think, 24 games left on it because you can play 50 games, right? So, right. And they got him for a nothing price. I mean, it's a steal for me if, right. if, if when Vince Williams is the guy that he seems to be once he's – in a regular rotation, you know, sometimes you're really good when you're only playing limited minutes, and then all of a sudden exactly. you, you sort of get exposed. But uh, they could bring back Biombo, right? If, if he clears waivers, they could bring him back at a very cheap price. I have no idea because I think Woj hinted that there was a two-way big man that they could secure, but I have no idea who that is. Yeah, we don't know who that is yet. And, yes, they could bring back Bismack, obviously sign him to a 10-day, sign him to a minimum. Uh, the only head-scratcher for me was Bismack's contract. He signed for $5 million with only $1 million guaranteed. And the way the NBA works, if you're still on the roster past January 10th, which was, I believe, 
just a few days ago on Monday. Yeah. Um, or, or Wednesday, rather. But you got to have them been waived before Monday. So if you made it past that date, yes, the whole $5 million would become fully guaranteed. But the Grizzlies are not in trouble with the, when it comes to the luxury tax to where that additional $4 million is going to really make an impact. But now you've got a very tradable piece in a $5 million contract with Bismack Biombo versus a $1 million contract. So that's the reason they initially signed him to that partially guaranteed deal. I think just the circumstances of the team have changed where they prioritized a roster spot more trying to convert Vince uh, more so than having a $5 million trade ship. But they could definitely bring back Bismack. Um, Vince, he could have still played more games, albeit limited to the remaining 26 games, like you said, uh, since 50 games is the max a two-way player can play. But if they kept him past that January 10th date, then the two-way would have been fully guaranteed. But that would not have stopped them from still converting him to a similar contract that they just converted him to at some point during the season. But at this point, look, it's all going to come down to a roster spot. So I wouldn't be shocked if they're going to be active during the trade deadline. Maybe they find a way to send a player or two out and either take back no players or one player, which will free up a roster spot to go out and sign someone. Uh, on the free agent market or the buyout market before the playoffs start. So there's a lot of different avenues they can take here in the next several weeks. What is your sense of Vince Williams? Is that a steal for the Grizzlies? Well, I think Zach in the front office has done a really good job of going out and maximizing these undrafted players, these late second-round picks that you see on other teams really don't do not get much opportunity. Uh, I had Killian Tilly in that situation years ago. He'd probably still be a Grizzly had it not been for several injuries. Obviously, you've seen that with John Conchar. So they do a really good job of that. So I think in that sense, it is a steal because in a season where Vince, a guy like Vince, is desperately needed with all of the injuries, uh, he's really stepped up. And again, they have not invested a draft pick in him. They've invested a two-way contract in him. Now, they give Vince long-term security with the contract they gave him, but reality that contract on their payroll is pretty minimal. So I think he's very valuable. But again, like you said, when everyone's healthy and he's not in the starting lineup and maybe he's not in the nightly consistent rotation, how's he going to handle that and what will his productivity look like? Uh, he's done well for the Grizzlies, but again, you're doing well on a team that overall in the NBA is really not doing too well, not in the playoff picture. Uh, they're not above 500, and there's a lot of good players that have value good young players in the league that are just on bad teams, for lack of a better term. But with the development that he's shown, I do like this move for investing in his future because now he's going to be a Grizzly unless he's traded for the next several years and the front office and Taylor and everyone, right? They can continue to invest in his development and who knows where he can be one or two seasons from now. He could he could prove to be a starter. He could prove to be a, a top seven or eight guy in the rotation, continue to be more productive. That would be something at that level of, of investment. That would be, a, by mind, a total steal. Latest analytics that the NBA has put out, and we're talking with our agent, that would be Andy Schiffman from Priority Sports in Chicago. So this report by the league is that uh, analytics have come out that shows there is no correlation between load management rest and injury risk. I've been saying that for a long time. I go back to the history of the league 
when they didn't do that, and there seemed to be less injuries than there are now. Maybe the pace of the game has changed that. Uh, I'm certainly not a sports medicine expert. But I'm curious from a player's perspective, and Andy Shippen being an agent gets their viewpoint. What 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 is their sense of load management? This has been thrust upon them, it seems to me, by management some of the time. And now we're now we're hearing. I don't know if it's propaganda or not, because the league doesn't want load management. Right. Um, what What's your sense of these analytics, and what's the player's perspective? Well, I think first off, the sense of the analytics. I mean, I tend to agree with that, Dave. Um, I don't necessarily believe that that's the reason there may be reduced risk of injury if they're sitting out longer term. Obviously, I think that's a factor for sure. I think there's a ton of factors that go into that. Um, and I do think from the player's perspective, look, I, all my guys want to play. Now, if they're banged up, if they're injured, if something's bothering them, maybe, not, maybe nothing that would keep them out of a, a game with a day off before and a day off after. But if you're going into a back-to-back and let's say you, you, know, you kind of tweaked your ankle or you maybe pulled a muscle or you know, your shoulder's kind of sore, I think then it makes sense, you know what, we will sit you out of the second night of a back-to-back if we're at home playing the likes of a Detroit Pistons team um, or a team that's really struggling that you really just don't need that player for. And I think a lot of it, too, is the timing of that specific game or games during the season. I think as we move forward in the second half of the season, especially for these teams competing for playoff positioning, competing for play-in games, I think the teams will definitely be more strategic about it. Uh, but, I look, I, I, don't, I don't disagree with what you said, right? I do think a lot of it is managed. Well, really all of it, for the most part, is managed by the coaching staff and the front offices. But I do know from the player side, generally speaking, these guys want to play. Unless you're LeBron, and LeBron wants to play, but he's also, look, he's older, he's smart, he knows he needs to save his body for these bigger games. So I think a lot of times guys like that are more in agreement with the decision to rest. But generally, if I ask a player, look, you know, do you want to go out there and play in a back-to-back, or do you want to play in this game that's a relatively meaningless game, they're going to opt in and they want to play. The the league, in in order to eliminate too much of the load management, made if you want bonuses and awards, all, all pro, NBA All Star, you got to play in sixty five games. That means you can rest seventeen games if there's no injury involved. Um, do you think because of the introduction of these analytics that could go up? in games, maybe 70, or will they stay here? I think for now they're going to stay here, in my opinion. Uh, Obviously, that category and the idea of having to meet a minimum threshold to be eligible only applies to a fraction of the players in the league. Um, But, yeah, I I do think moving forward they'll probably stick with the 65. Look, the NBA, they're known, really all pro sports, when they introduce a new rule, there's always experimentation. They're subject to volatility and change and I do know this summer when the Players Association has their summer meeting, for sure it's going to be talked about amongst the players. Is this something that we want to push back on to try and amend, whether it's, you know, maybe, maybe it's uh, lower the number for, for whatever reason. I don't think that'll be the case. Uh, but I think 65 is kind of the, the sweet spot right now. I haven't really heard any players complain of that. Maybe that's because I don't really have any players up for some of these postseason awards. But 
I think for now they'll probably stick with 65. I, I, you know, I could see how a player would fight for 60, even if he wanted to play in more, just to be on the safe side for themselves. I get sure. that. Uh, I would like to see it at 70 just to make sure that there's none of this more bogus stuff that seems to go on out there. But I, I'm, I, and, and, and the introduction of this analytics makes me think they could lean that way, but most likely you're mm-hmm. right. They will stay where they are. Last thing for our agent in Chicago, Andy Schiffman. Oak City beat Portland last night by 62, 139-77. You were were saying the other uh, just earlier in the program, you know, any team can beat any team. That's crazy, that kind of difference. It is. And Portland, first off, you have each team on the other end of the spectrum in the NBA, right? Portland is struggling. Uh, I've watched them a lot this year. They've got some good young pieces, but they're 10-27. and And then you've got a terrific – OKC team that's really taken that next jump and solidified themselves as one of the best teams in the NBA. Uh, I watched a little bit of that game, and it was really over at halftime. They held the Trailblazers at home. Uh, they were in Oklahoma City. They held the Trailblazers to 15 points in the second quarter and 17 points in the third quarter. Uh, that's pretty unheard of in the NBA. Meanwhile, we had Bradley Beal go out and score 20 points in the third quarter of the Suns-Lakers game last night. Wow! But you look at OKC's roster, they're led by Shea Gildas Alexander, who is an all-star, who seems like he keeps getting better every season. Obviously, they got Chet Holmgren, yep. who is probably going to get Rookie of the Year. It's going to be either him or Wimby. Uh, I think he can't go wrong either way. But then they've just done such a terrific job, Dave, of developing and mining this other talent, Josh Giddey, uh, you know, the kid Luke and Thorpe. I'm a big Jalen Williams fan. They drafted him out of Santa Clara uh, a couple years ago, and he's been great for them, and they have a really nice bench with uh, Dang and, and who else they have? Trey Mann is their backup point guard. Another kid named Jalen Williams, Casey Wallace from Kentucky. So they're really well balanced. I think they're really well coached. Um, and I think they're going to be good for a very long time. So Portland or any other team that's that far below 500. That's going to be a really hard team to beat on the road. Well, you know, Minnesota and OKC, we could be seeing a change of the guard in the West because they are leading one, too, and they yep. look like they are really good. I, I got to leave you with this. So OKC, oddly enough, has suffered. They, they won by 62 last night. Do you know that they lost one time by 73? That's the biggest margin of victory. It happened in 2021. Do you, Andy Schiffman, know who beat them by that many? I'm going to go with the Grizzlies. You're on the money. You win the refrigerator from Westinghouse. No. Perfect. Um, good job. Good job. Uh, it, it's crazy stuff. That is for sure. We see something different. Like I saw last night, a double overtime game with 75 fouls and 98 free throws. So there's wow. always something crazy in sport. Thank you, Absolutely. buddy. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next Friday. All right, thanks, Dave. That is our guy. That is Andy Schiffman. He's brought to you by the good folks at Grind City Brewin, and they've been taking care of beerness in Memphis now for many years. It was the dream of a father and a son, and they made it happen with this beautiful facility just north of downtown. You get a great view of the skyline and the bridges, and they have this little picnic area outside with umbrellas and picnic tables. Fantastic. But go inside and see the brewery and try some of the product, like the Poppy's Pills, the Pilsner that is just what the doctor ordered. If you're a pale ale kind of a guy, they got the Godhopper. If you like the Amber Lagers, well, that's simple. They got the Thaddeus. That's a fairly new product. And then there's the Belgian-style wheat ale thing called the Belga. If you like Blue Moon, you'll love the Belga. 
A. It's Memphis, a taste of Memphis. It's terrific. And it's Grind City. So you know they've been taking care of beerness in Memphis for a while now. Back in a minute, we'll end our week. Brian Dekis in studio is right around the corner. Add a little fun to your lunch break. Join Johnny Radio for Sports 56 Happy Hour from 11 to 1 every weekday on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now back to Wolo and Friends on Sports 56. Presented by Genesis of Olive Branch. Here once again is the voice of the Tigers, Dave Woloshin. Weekend's almost here, I know, because Brian Dacus comes in. we got lots to talk about. I want to start off on a sad note, but a good life, that is for sure. Uh, a couple days ago, Memphis lost Jim Hockaday. He was a part of the team that really sparked Memphis's connection with the university mm-hmm. in basketball. Yeah. Back in the 56-57 NIT runner-up team, he was one of the stars of that. He played 55-59, to so he put the Tigers on the map with Win uh, Wilfong, Forrest Arnold, all that group. A great life for the young man who was from Selmer. He uh, was called the Slender Selmer Sophomore. That's what they Great nickname. <laughs> back in high school. Um, I guess they were part of the Dixie Darlings. That was what they called that, that Tiger team that went to the NIT. Really did put them on the map. Yeah. 88 years old, so he had a great life. Passed away. There's a nice story that Jason Munns has written in the Commercial Appeal um, about all of that. So if you got time, go check that out. But uh, our condolences, sympathies mm-hmm. with the Hockaday family. Uh, in, the, in the meantime, Tigers get set to go to Wichita going to be freezing wichita is disappointing they got a new coach Uh paul mills who did a good job at oral roberts Mm -hmm. isaac brown out they probably they're paying two coaches now this is the third coach because they gave isaac brown after he took greg marshall's team Mm -hmm. and played pretty well with those players when marshall was let go and he's like he had five years of money coming yeah so brown had that good year with his players and all those guys, remember, they respected Brown because he was with them yeah. all that way. But then after that, he, he didn't do uh, much. And they cut bait. Mm-hmm. So they're paying him, they're paying Greg Marshall, and now they're paying Paul Mills. And, and this team is getting to know Mills, and it's not worked out so mm-hmm. well. They have lost four in a row. They're 0-2 in conference yeah. and 8-7. and seven. They just lost in Philly to a Temple team that is a decent average kind of a team. Not, I don't think, the Wichita State team will see. Plus, which usually, that is a huge home court advantage. I guess they're back in school now. I don't even know that. If the students aren't back, that's real trouble. But do you think when it's below zero, Hmm. those folks are going to show up for the roundhouse in Wichita? Yeah, it's a good question. I think, uh, I think probably. I mean, uh, when you when you're out in Wichita, you know they take uh, their basketball team very seriously, and and um, you know I know I was talking to somebody the other day for uh, before that Houston Iowa State game, and there was like six inches of snow in in Ames Iowa, and the guy I was talking to was like, uh, you know th- that would be you know that would close down everything if it was in Houston, but not Ames Iowa. They're going to be out there no, and, that, and ready to roll. I watched that game. Yeah, that place was packed. <laughs> it there was. was. A, I, I was. Uh, I had just seen on the NBC News pictures mm-hmm. of Iowa, yeah. all the snow and the trailer tractors that had been stuck or, <laughs> you know, 
uh, sideways, basically, mm, yeah. in the snow in the in, in, in on the side of the road. And here you go. Nobody missed a beat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think I think we're gonna see something similar uh, in Wichita over the weekend. I know uh, Jaquan Walton was talking about it post game and, and kind of said, with these slow starts, uh, you know, the team's been having that. Uh, you know, you do that against Wichita. You know, let them get a lead and let that fan base get into it, and it's gonna be much different um, than what they saw a week ago uh, against Tulsa. So I think it's gonna be a really good crowd, and I think they're uh, you know when a top fifteen team comes into town, I think they're gonna be ready to go. A lot of talk about the Tigers' slow starts mm-hmm. and not respecting the opponent. And there's probably some truth to that. But uh, if you really look at big picture with wide, eyes wide open, there's two flaws here that Memphis has to correct. Mm-hmm. One is guarding the three, yeah. and two, it's boxing out on mm-hmm. the defensive glass and not allowing so many offensive rebounds. I mean, that's what kept SMU in the game. Yep. SMU couldn't score except for... Points off turnovers or second-chance points. They don't have, really, a great offensive production. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I do think they're one of the better teams in the American. Oh, yeah. But um, there's flaws here that have to be addressed. And the other thing that would be worrisome is Naquan Tomlin seems to be going backwards. The first Mm -hmm. two games he played... He looked better than the next. Yeah, he looked great and, in his first season. And, and uh, you know, you would think the opposite because he'd be getting in better shape. Mm-hmm. He'd be understanding what his teammates do, and it's going the opposite way. And um, this was pointed out. The Tigers' best string would, mm-hmm. would have to be considered at A&M, the, the classic with, with Clemson, yeah. the blowout of Virginia. That's right. They didn't have a big man in that game. Right. Because Brown was gone mm-hmm. and Tomlin hadn't joined. Since Tomlin's joined, they haven't played quite as well. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a good point. I saw that going around uh, on social media during the game uh, the other night. And it's interesting. And with Tomlin, you know, those two games, I think, gave a lot of people um, a lot of hope and excitement of what he could be. And now back-to-back games fouled out. But you're right, defensively, this Tiger team has not played up to the level that, that Penny Hardaway wants them to play. You look, like you said, the three-point defense. We knew UTSA was going to come in and take a lot of threes and and, and make um, a fair amount. You know, I think they averaged 10 made three-pointers a game going into that That's one. That's it. Um, and, and, you know, go out and make 17. But there were just so many wide-open shots, you know, miscommunication and, and you know, the the penetrating to the basket and then kicking out to a wide-open corner three. Um, it's a lot of that. I, I'm seeing a lot of, uh, you know, guys throwing their hands up and looking at somebody else on just miscommunication and, and switching. Lack of rotation. Yeah, it, it, it's just – it's been bad this year. And I think, um, you know, that's something that, that Penny Hardaway really um, – you know, he, he loves talking about his defensive teams and, and how, how well they play defensively, and this team just, just hasn't gotten to that level yet. Well, they're going to need to because yeah. some of these places on the road, oh, yeah. if they play like they have here to start the conference play, uh, they're going to take some L's. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about that in my mind. Let's go to football real quick. Reggie Howard, Louis Bazito. Yeah, yeah. You know, the funny thing for me is <laughs> I kept thinking, wait, wait, Lou – you know, he's a high school coach, and yeah. then he became a head coach at small schools. Mm-hmm. Davenport, which I, I don't even know that, St. Joseph's College, mm-hmm. which I do know in Indiana. Yeah. He's a defensive coordinator. Then. He parlayed that into being a D.C. at Western mm-hmm. Michigan. I'm going, wait. Lou is an offensive lineman. <laughs> What's he doing as a D.C.? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. I know uh, – I guess earlier this season, I was uh, telling this story to to Brett Norsworthy the other day. I think earlier in the season there was a uh, you know action game on or something, and I'm watching it with my mom, and and uh, they start talking about you know Lou Esposito, the job he's done. And my mom goes, 
Lou Esposito, he played for the Tigers. That's and right. I was like, what? And, uh, you know, so now he's part of this group. And I love that hire. And, uh, you know, also Howard, you know, bringing him in, um, another former Tiger. And, and so I, I just love, uh, you know, that they're bringing back, you know, old Tigers. And it seems like, you know, from the response from, from a lot of the defensive players, they seem to be excited about it. And, uh, you know, so I, I really like how the staff's being put together. I I love it. that yeah. The fact is that, He's bringing back guys mm-hmm. that were part of the family. Yeah. Reggie Howard had already worked for the team. Mm-hmm. Esposito's been around for reunions. He's yeah. really paid his dues, too, yeah, by yeah, the absolutely. way. High school coach, <laughs> uh, small college, yeah. then the Mac as a DC. And I, I guess he's going to be the assistant DC, mm-hmm. associate DC, however they put that. Hank has done a remarkable job for that bowl game, so that is terrific. And look, final poll, 31? Yeah. How about that? Yeah, no, that's big time. I saw... Uh, the uh, the individual polls came out and and there were were I think six or seven you know uh, voters in there that had Memphis in their top twenty five and I think you know it was a statement win against Iowa State I, I didn't expect that you know I was hoping and, and thought the Tigers could cover I was hoping for a win um, but you know I think I told you this last week or the week before you know I'm I'm sitting over there getting ready for for my show in the afternoon and uh, and you know they go from the Clemson game to the Memphis game and Memphis already scored a touchdown before they can even switch it over and so you know it was a huge start and I think. You know, with what they've got coming back, I think there should be a lot of excitement from Tiger fans. You realize um, the AutoZone Liberty Bowl had the number seven most watched yeah. television audience, number four if you take away the three playoff games. Wow. It is pretty incredible. And I, I want to say the crowd itself was like the ninth largest wow. really good crowd, in-house yeah. Autos and Liberty Bowl is terrific. That yep. was a great experience. We'll be listening to you this afternoon Thank with you. Brett on Sports Time. Thank you so much. Thank you. The weekend is just about here for me. And to start the weekend, what do I do? I head over to see Eddie. That's Eddie Connor at the Spirit Shop, Poplar and St. Nick. He's got everything you need to make your weekend more joyous. He's got, just talking about Grind City Brewing, he's got all the local beers inside that little log cabin. At Poplar and St. Nick, 4848 Poplar, just down from Clark Tower. He's got valuable bourbons. He's got up-and-coming wines. He's got the next Cornerstone. That's, you know, local guys did Cornerstone. When it first came on the market 20 years ago, it was cheap. Now, 100 bucks a bottle. You can get in on the ground floor if you talk to Eddie. He educates you when you go to the spirit shop. Check it out. Tell him we sent you to go see Eddie at the spirit shop that's it for us johnny harden is right around the corner we'll see you bright and early on monday have a great weekend everybody